five, four, three, two. Welcome everybody to Weiss Camera Action. I, of course, am your host, Aaron Weiss, alongside the Duchess of Dunwoody, the Sage of Sandy Springs, Erica J. Lavender. Hello. I thought you were going to go longer than that. Uh, and <laughs> joining us once more, the Bell of the Bard, Maya E. Lavender. Hi. So, uh, Maya, last night, Erica and I were having this discussion, and uh, we were talking about Auntie Anne's pretzels, you know, the mm-hmm. the pretzel place that you can really only find in malls. <clears throat> yeah. And I, <clears throat> we were talking about our usual order for there, and... I was wondering, what what do you get when you go to an Auntie Anne's pretzels? I feel like my regular order and Erica's regular order is maybe the same order, because I don't know mm-hmm. that I'm ever at an Auntie Anne's and eating something and Erica is not there. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 um, I also don't know the last time I was in a, in a mall. Right, right. Period. So I also don't know the last time that I went shopping in a mall by myself, and usually I'm there with Erica. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, little the little pretzel nugget bite things, the little right. the pretzel dough that is not in the shape of a pretzel. Any mm-hmm. any flavor of that is good. Whoa. This the cinnamon whatever one is mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. But sometimes baby is feeling savory. You know? Sometimes I, baby is feeling I savory. really respect that answer. And my answer is similar but the opposite. I usually go I usually lean savory, but sometimes sometimes I could go sweet, you know? And uh but I would I was going to say, I typically go for the pretzels because they're usually made fresh, like, to order. And the nuggets are not. They're usually, like, in the little warmer thing. Mm -hmm. So I will order the nuggets for sure if I see them being just put in the warmer, like, as I'm about to order, like, while I'm waiting in line or something. That's that's a good life hack. Mm Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, we we talked about this for like twenty minutes last Extensively. night. Extensively, <laughs> and I was like, "This is gonna be this is pretty good podcast content." And I was like, "I was like, Erica, just just imagine this, just imagine this. All right, just you you get the you get the the pretzel, the warm, buttery, soft pretzel with with the, with the salt, with the flakes of salt on there, right? And you and you just you get the the cheese, the warm, gooey." cheese that's not actually cheese but it's taste cheesy and then you dump it you you just dunk it in there and you you have this this perfect bite it's just the perfect bite and it's so good and as he was pitching this bite to me i kept trying to interrupt to make him imagine the cinnamon pretzels but he's like no 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 you need this full experience right now yeah (laughs) i i will say however that the soft pretzels that you can get from target is a different question. Really? No, we were taught. That's what sparked this whole conversation. Oh yeah. Really you said you liked the the regular ones. Yeah, I said imagine just having like a nice day out. You mm-hmm. go to Target, you get your soft pretzel. You're just browsing the aisles, and then you said, "Oh, but imagine this: you're at the mall, and you get." And anyways, that's how yeah. it all came about. Huh? Because it literally is the exact opposite. If you're at Target and you like for whatever reason desperately need a soft pretzel. Which happens. It, oh, for sure. Not saying it like it never happens, because it definitely does. But it's not like an every time you go to Target type of no, deal. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a salty one, and it's going to be so salty it hurts your mouth. And that is what you want from it. Mm-hmm. I did have this question for Erica. Um, if there's an Auntie Anne's and a Cinnabon, like, across from each other in the mall... And knowing that you crave warm, cinnamon, sugary goodness when you're in the mall, mm-hmm. where do you go? Auntie Anne's, because I literally never go to Cinnabon. Wow. I th- had the same reaction, and Aaron just looked at me for the longest time without speaking. Because <laughs> it's also like, I don't know, I feel like I could get a really 
like exciting cinnamon roll and a like I don't know I feel like cinnamon rolls I could make like I could get one of those little like things of cinnamon rolls mm-hmm. that yeah. you like make and you like pop them open and put them in your oven and then you have the cinnamon rolls that's like so much more accessible for whatever reason in my brain than like buying frozen soft pretzels and making them fair you know, no, you know that's really valid. That's a really valid question or valid answer. But you know what? This is not snack cast. This <laughs> is Weiss Camera Action, the show where each and every week on your favorite podcast service, Erica and I remo- remove, review movies slash series of movies. If you like that and you want to be part of the show, go to patreon.com slash Weisscast, where $1 a month tier grants you the ability to ask questions that you want to be aired on the podcast, or you can write in your Darmok review. I'm not going to lie. I haven't checked the email lately, but I'm just going to go ahead and assume that there's no, nothing nothing in there. But um, you know what? One day, it's Valentine's Day. I'm asking nicely, people, please write us in a dark mock review for the next movie. Um, also, the $1 tier gets supporters mentioned in the credits as well as shout out during the show. Big thank you to our producers, Chrono Slinger and Pepe Danger. If you don't have any chance to toss our way, no big deal. You can catch the show each and every week on podcast services around the globe. Housekeeping. This is our last week of Twilight. Aww. This is the last episode. And <laughs> next week, we're moving into the Dark Knight trilogy with special guests. C. Tally Davidson. C. Tally Davidson, a.k.a. Erica's roommate. (laughs) And childhood best friend since I was like three. Yes. Yes, yes. All of these things are true. Um, But we'll get to that next week. For now, let's begin the show with what is and forever will be first impressions. All right, Loka. Impress me. Um, Once again, I fell asleep. While watching this movie, uh, I've been very sleepy recently. I've been an, I've been really busy recently, mm-hmm. and so anytime I just have what I know will be over an hour of time uninterrupted, mm-hmm. my brain is like uses to get sleep. That's a good use of this time. Um, That's valid. And then it's also like it's like eight degrees outside or whatever, and my mm-hmm. room and my bed is so warm. Um, so, my first impression of this movie was that it was fine, not as exciting as I, like, it, it's like, honestly, no Breaking Dawn Part 1, certainly no New Moon. <laughs> and, and I fell asleep for probably, like, the... I know I fell asleep for the big action at the end, which we can talk about later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, w- I was not um, I was not dazzled. I was not razzled, nor was I dazzled. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that. So my first impression watching this, I haven't watched this movie with someone who didn't know the ending since my first time watching this movie. So that up the enjoyment level for me because I think that this was the first huge thing like there were a bunch of huge things in Twilight that you kind of already knew about mm-hmm. you know what I mean but you did not know about like this insane ending so that was that kind of upped the enjoyment for me but only on like uh being entertained by external things around the movie not the actual movie itself if that makes sense which I think just speaks to how the movie is it's not i think that there's some good things happening in it but it's just overall not it's you know what it just barely is in the top five of my favorite twilight movies and there's only five twilight movies (laughs) (laughs) uh this movie is like four-fifths of a really good movie like those first you know like hour and a half that first hour and a half those first 90 minutes uh were action-packed and well-paced 
and lots of action, lots of emotion happening. But yeah, I mean, the last, you know, fifth of the movie really ruined it and it was awful. And I, you know what? I feel pretty comfortable saying I do this. This series is kind of a waste of time. Whoa. That's that's some fighting words. Maybe not the series, just the movie, but... You need to go into the series knowing you will not be satisfied by the end of it. I think that's what you need to know. Yeah. Also, I mean, I did genuinely enjoy, like, Breaking Dawn Part 1 and Eclipse and the first Twilight. Mm -hmm. Like, I I mean, okay, I genuinely enjoyed all the other movies. Yeah. Um, There was just... They were kind of fun to make fun of or... Yeah. Whatever. This one's not even fun to make fun of. Like, it was just a really... It was, like, a pretty good movie for an hour and a half. There's one line that's fun to make fun of. Yes. I'm sure we'll get no, there. yeah, we'll get there. But it's just like, it's a pretty good movie for an hour and a half, and then it just craps it all away, you know? Yeah. Hit me with some fun facts. I, I need something fun to bring me out of this, this, this angry mood towards this movie, you know what I mean? Oh, I know. So, our fun facts this week are mainly going to be about Mackenzie Foy, the actress who played the oldest version of Renesmee. Okay. Um, fun fact number one. To protect Mackenzie Foy on the set, Bill Condon, the director, has set up a swear jar where any cast and crew members caught swearing or uttering profanities were fined on the spot. The amount collected from the jar was donated to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. I have no idea how much was collected, though, so... One million dollars. <laughs> and it's all for Robert Pattinson. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, besides Mackenzie Foy, ten actresses portrayed the rapidly growing Renesmee Cullen, as well as a CGI animated baby. Which I don't think any of us are surprised to hear, because that baby sure was CGI animated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder if they, like, had an actual baby there, and they, like, did something over the face, or if it was just a doll? Probably um, just a doll. That, you, that makes more sense. Well, I actually have a third one fact about this baby, so. Mm-hmm. Um, both an animatronic baby and three-week-old babies were used in the film. That's For- horrifying. Why an animatronic? Have you seen footage of this animatronic baby? It's uh-huh. simply horrid. It's bad, bad, bad. It's a scary baby. Um, yeah, so both animatronic baby and three-week-old babies were used in the film. Kristen Stewart preferred working with the real babies because she felt they helped her give a better performance. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You have to be like, oh, I I love and care about this real human entity that I gave birth to. And it's an animatronic? (laughs) Worse than... Stuart Little. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing up Stuart Little at a time like this. How dare you? Sorry. And we have one last fun fact, guys. And it is, every song that appears in the film and on the soundtrack is original and written specifically for the film. That is interesting. Isn't it? I don't know. I thought that was kind of weird. That is kind of weird. That's not, like, usually a thing outside of, like, musicals. Right. Very interesting. Very interesting indeed. Now we're going to go on to the summary. And boy, howdy, do I wish, do I hope that there's uh, mess ups in this. The movie <laughs> picks up where the previous movie left off, right when Bella Cullen opens her eyes after her transformation into a vampire. She finds her sentence, senses, senti- that's a hard word to say, senses heightened. By many times. What a way to put that. And savors a moment with her husband, Edward Cullen, and her perfected beauty. She requests to meet her daughter, Renesmee Cullen, as if we forgot. But Edward (laughs) tells her she needs to to hunt first. During the hunt, she quickly learns uh, to harness her heightened senses and abilities. When the scent of a human hiker crosses her nose she immediately attempts to hunt the hiker until edward tells her not to she quickly comes to her senses 
and runs away, much to Edward's amazement, as a newborn she shouldn't be able to. Bella tries to feed on a deer, but a mountain lion attacks her first, forcing Bella to settle for the feeding on the lion instead. I don't think she settled. I think she was kind of happy to have the mountain yeah, lion rather than the deer. I think she wanted the fight, you know? Yeah, yeah. Get some aggression out, pent-up sure. aggression. And that's a cool shot. That's one of my favorite yeah. shots in the movie, actually, when she, like, jumps on the mountain lion and, like, rips his head off. Yeah, yeah, they're all like... Yeah. <laughs> And you know how we feel about all that growling. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> when they return home, Jacob Black tells Bella that she still looks like herself, though the red eyes are something to get used to. He then uses himself as a test subject to see if she is tame enough to meet her daughter without hurting her. Once she passes the test, she goes on to meet Renesmee, who shows her first memory of Bella as a human thanks to her gift. Bella then finds out that Jacob has imprinted on Renesmee and <laughs> angrily confronts him about it. However, everyone is impressed by her restraint, given that a newborn would have typically killed him by now. Her anger escalates. To Can a... I just say, it actually says killed by him now. Oh. Which I just thought was funny. Oh. I mean, it's just a typo. I'm sorry. Whoever wrote this, I did not need to point out your typo like that. That was so rude. We get it. You majored in English. <laughs> <laughs> her anger escalates near to nearly dangerous level when Jacob calls her daughter Nessie, a nickname derived from the Loch Ness Monster, to the point <laughs> that she attacks or she tries to attack him. <laughs> <laughs> you named my daughter after the Loch Ness Monster? Great line. Uh, and also, to be fair, she named her daughter Renesme, which is really uh, asking for a nickname like Nessie. Um, <laughs> sure is. Yeah. So one can only be so mad. It's true. Seth Clearwater interferes and gets thrown into the tree by Bella herself. And she apologizes to him right after. Jacob continues to reason with Bella about the situation and finally succeeds. At nightfall, Bella's sister-in-law, Alice Cullen, takes them to their cottage where Bella, Edward, and Renesmee will call home. Bella and Edward spend the night there where Erica will explain. Bella is just pondering the fact that since they don't get tired, she's just thinking about um, the adult things that they may be doing. In their cottage, in the privacy of their own home. I will say, I did not remember this being so much of a part of uh, (laughs) any of the Twilight movies or any of the books. Granted, I did read them when I was, like, 10, and so I read a lot of, like, romance novels and would be like, this is such a cute, like, friendship story. Um, (laughs) And it would be, like, very much um, not that. (laughs) Uh, but i would just like skim over all of like the the like wild sex scenes in the books and be like this this is a story about female friendship first and foremost Um, (laughs) so long story short i was like since when is this like much of this in twilight in any of them and then this movie i was like what's going on i was thrown for a loop a little bit yeah it's definitely um a presence in the last film but i think it's even more so in this film honestly i think it yeah. is yeah we want to start here okay they return to the cullen house the next morning where they discuss how Bella will fake her own death to keep her father, Charlie Swan, from finding out about her new situation, from being her new being, her being a new vampire in Renesmee's existence. Jacob, upset by the thought of separation from Nessie, runs to Charlie to show him his ability to transform into a wolf and explain that Bella had to change in order to get better from her uh, illness. All right. Um, were they born born in labs now Now it's it's time time to rank rank those abs abs. what's up everybody welcome to the rank those abs the podcast on the podcast where we rank those abs this 
of course, is the infamous striptease in front of Charlie. And you know what? I think everyone enjoyed it except for Charlie. <laughs> yeah, this is honestly, first and foremost, Charlie's movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that Charlie is the most sympathetic character in this movie, easily. Maybe in the whole series. Yeah, he's really the only one that we are, like, somewhat close to in the series, I guess, mm-hmm. who does not know. Yeah. What's going on. I guess now he's in on the werewolf thing, but he mm-hmm. only knows that Jacob is. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure he can gather, oh, maybe others of, like, mm-hmm. the ones who have the tattoos all are or something. He might be able to gather mm-hmm. that, but he doesn't know anything about vampires. Like, he just doesn't know a thing, which... Doesn't know. Makes his situation so hard, since he's so close to so many people who mm-hmm. are involved. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know just i can only imagine that the um that the that the the abs of jacob don't help at all don't they don't help his understanding probably not they're just like oh why why are you showing me these you know what i mean like like if jacob was a little thick then it would have been like oh this is this is necessary for this boy to take his shirt off for him to give me pertinent information, but because he's shredded, it's like, Jacob, no, what are you doing? <laughs> Jacob, no, I have a new girlfriend and a family and stuff. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Charlie's just trying to be the best dad that he can be, you know, and Jacob's just tempting him left and right. Man. You're but really yeah, I think. I actually do think that. Like, plot-wise, that is a clever way to tell Charlie just enough that he can keep Bella around. You know what I mean? But also not endanger yeah. her. Because yeah. if it's like, like, Bella had to turn into a vampire, then the Volturi would be like, well, now you have to either change him into a vampire or kill him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if it's like, okay, you know about werewolves. Bella's not a werewolf, but she is somehow different. Mm-hmm. That I think that gives him just enough to go on. That yeah. he doesn't have to ask questions, which is What would, what if <laughs> one of the werewolves imprinted on Charlie? Dog. <laughs> How good would that have been? I really wish that Jacob had imprinted on Charlie. That would have made that really would have saved the series. Okay, and I'm not saying that Twilight doesn't deserve, like, a gay romance moment, but, like, Leah Clearwater actually also deserves to have a love story because she had been in love with Sam, but then he imprinted on someone else, so he broke up with her to be with the girl he imprinted on, Mm -hmm. and then Leah was, like, still in love with him or whatever, so Leah deserves love. Mm -hmm. Leah's a werewolf, right? Yeah. So she theoretically could imprint. Yeah, for sure. I'm like... So you, I mean, think, you think, but also her dad, Leah you know, her... imprints on Carlisle. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that she could have imprinted on Charlie, but I just remembered that her dad died, and then her mom got with Charlie. So if she imprinted on Charlie and stole her mom's boyfriend, that would be hilarious. <laughs> that would be funny. If only Twilight were a comedy. If only. If only. You really could change some story beats, make it a great comedy series. Maybe that will be a mission of ours. Maybe. A goal in life. But I also feel like if they're making the claim or whatever that imprinting is not inherently romantic, then Jacob could imprint on Charlie and it'd be whatever. All right, they'll just be super good bros. Yeah, just like we're we're best friends. Like his bodyguard, isn't that what it is? It's like a protector, a brother, whatever you need me to be, I'll be that for his you. Deputy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like. That. Oh, that's going back to my gritty, tw- my gritty Jacob Black movie from like that I want. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just like. It's him and Charlie, like, 15 years in the future, and there's, like, another vampire out there murdering people in Forks, and there's, like, a detective movie, you know? And it triggers... And Charlie's been retired for, like, five years, but... And Jacob hasn't turned into a werewolf in years, Yeah, there's been no vampires around for a while, Jacob needs his old partner back because... Because he can't solve this mystery without Charlie Swan. Right? Honestly... Let's make it. Let's do it. Some Twilight fanfic. 
We'll call it Fifty Shades of Grey. Whoa! That's just the original name. <laughs> no one has ever named a Twilight fanfic that before. Um, where were we? Right Despite here. the resulting anger from Edward and Bella, Jacob partly claims or calms them by explaining that he didn't tell Charlie about vampires. Charlie confronts Bella, demanding answers, but she explains she would have to leave if he wants the truth. They compromise. With the Cullens staying longer if Charlie agrees to accept the limited information. Then he meets Renesme, the adopted daughter of Bella and Edward. Which I don't that like that like solves one aspect. Oh, like where'd this daughter come from? Mm-hmm. It does not solve the aspect of why she's growing up so fast. Oh yeah. And it will not solve in 20 years when Bella still looks like she's 18. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, I think that eventually Charlie will put the pieces together that her and Edward are immortal mm-hmm. and that Renesmee is also immortal. But when just, she turns seven, when she turns seven, <laughs> I have that makes my entire body cringe, but we'll talk more later. Um, I do feel like since they don't have to sleep, they really could just stay up all night putting on extensive prosthetic makeup to make themselves look slightly older every time they go see Charlie, and it really wouldn't be that big of a deal. And Alice would probably have a great time doing it. That would be right up Alice's alley, actually. That would be baller, you know? Like, just like, oh, we're gonna go see Charlie tomorrow morning, better stay up all night putting on... This extensive makeup, so he thinks that we age slightly. Yeah, but Renesmee will always be an inexplicable. Yeah, that's fine. Because when when they he saw her and he was like, "Oh my god, you've gotten so tall!" Like he grew like a half a foot, and he looked at Bella and said, "Is this one of those need to know things?" And she said, "Yep, doubt it. Sure is." So they already have. They already have the language to be like, don't ask, don't, uh, don't ask, don't tell her. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice. Whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yeah. No don't way. ask, don't tell, but it's not homophobic, it's about vampires. Right. Exactly. But also, do ask, don't tell, in a much more real sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're still not gonna right, tell. Right, 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 You can ask all you want, but I'm keeping these lips sealed, honey. <laughs> Charlie figures out the truth when he sees his daughter's brown eyes in the young girl's face. <clears throat> After Charlie leaves, Bella is congratulated for her self-control, but Emmett teases her even though Edward warns him not to anger the strongest vampire in the house. Emmett and Bella have an arm wrestling match, which she wins due to her superior newborn strength. She remarks that though her time as a human was over, being a vampire has made her more alive. And that that she was wait, that she was born to be one. Oh, she was born to be one. Mm-hmm. Let's see, let's see. Sam and Jacob's pack resolve their differences. Renesmee's rapid growth causes worries to the Cullens, who plan to travel to Brazil, which I have so many problems with. Why Brazil? You know what I mean? Like, I get that they're, like, trying to be an alternate, like, vampire fiction thing, but, like, all the classical vampire stories have come from Eastern Europe. All of them. Right. You know, Brazil, what? Come on. I think, you know, on their honeymoon, how they were in Brazil? Yeah. And he was like, oh, let's ask our housekeepers if they know anything. Because they're, you know, like, they might have legends that they've heard or whatever. Uh I think it's the same group of people that they're going to visit in Brazil. Yeah. But I know what you mean. But to be fair, Stephanie sparkle in the sun instead of burn in the sun. So she really just does whatever she wants. Yeah. It is also a little bit just like like let let's go and find these people that we don't know very well and just like take information from them and then not give them anything in return. Uh, <laughs> a little like let's 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 go 
Let's go have a very one-sided relationship with these people in Brazil. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, causes worries to the Colons who plan to travel to Brazil to learn about the legends that may tell them how Renesme will turn out in the future. At the rate of her development, Renesme may live a shorter life than a human. Months later, Irina comes to Forks and misidentifies Renesme as an immortal child, a child who has been turned into a vampire. When she sees her from a distance, Bella tries to catch up to her, but fails. Irina then travels to Italy to inform the Volturi of her incorrect judgment, <laughs> um, which triggers Alice's vision of their doom, which seems a little dramatic. But in the hopes <laughs> of resolving the matter peacefully, the Collins set out to find their friends, the Denali. Egyptian, Irish, Amazon, and Romanian covens, as well as some nomads from all around the world to stand witnesses for them and prove to the Volturi that Renesme is not an immortal child. Meanwhile... So, can I give a little tangent about immortal children yep. for the people? Yep. It's like immortal children were, like, way back in the thousand years ago i feel like in yeah. vampire time um the the vampire coven in denali their mom had made had basically bit like a two-year-old a two-year-old human and bit that child turned him into a vampire but he still had the superhuman, like the vampire strength and bloodthirst and everything so he could like literally destroy a village and he also doesn't have, like, his emotional, mental, like, capabilities are stunted as a two-year-old. So he can be taught to not do that, like, ever. He'd just be, like, eternally a two-year-old vampire. So they had to... So the Volturi stepped in and destroyed the immortal child and also killed the Denali's mom. So... That's why Arita freaks out when she sees Renesme because she's like, oh my gosh. Like, this can get people killed. Like, this is awful. Like, she, like it's a crime, essentially. But Renesme is not that. She was born, not bitten, as Bella so eloquently puts it. Mm -hmm. So eloquently put it. Um... Do, do, do. Meanwhile, due to an increasing amount of vampires staying in the colon, with the colons to witness Renesmee's growth, more and more of the Quileates begin to turn, joining the pack. Bella finds out that she has the ability to block psychic powers from Elizar and Edward, and begins to learn how to protect others with it. Bella finds a clue left by Alice in her book, Wuthering Heights. Who has left the family with Jasper and goes to find Jay Jinx, a lawyer who has been forging, forging illegal documents for the Cullens for decades. He gives Bella a set of IDs, passports, and driver's licenses forged for Renesme and Jacob. Seeing this, Bella realizes that Renesme will survive, but also realizes that she and Edward will not be a part of their daughter's life. Bella packs several thousand dollars along with forged documents into a backpack to so Renesmee and Jacob will not have financial problems for a while. She also includes a letter to her daughter to explain things. Alstar, one of the witnesses, leads for his own survival. Yeah, that guy sucked. The Collins and their allies gather around a bonfire the night before the confrontation and share war stories. Upon confronting the gathered Cullen's witnesses the following morning, the Volturi discover that they have been misinformed. They then immediately execute Irina for false accusation in a ploy to get Kate and Tanya to retaliate in vengeance as a justification to fight. However, Zafrina prevents them from doing so. The Volturi remain un decided on whether Renesme should be viewed as a threat to vampires. Secret existence 
Alice and Jasper return in time to present their proof that Renesmee poses no danger, but Aro is determined to destroy the Cullens. Carlisle attempts to save Alice, but is immediately destroyed by Aro. The rest of the Cullens, Voltori, and their respective allies engage in a huge battle during which Jasper, Seth, and Leah Clearwater are... Oh, I didn't realize that Leah was killed. I didn't realize that either. Um, ...are killed along with multiple others. While Renesmee escapes with Jacob, Arrow personally attacks Bella and Edward after most of his coven is destroyed, which results in his own destruction at Bella and Edward's hands. And isn't that great? Because Arrow is the worst. He's he been sucks. a menace for like... 2500 years mm -hmm. you know what i mean and it's like oh wow what a great ending yeah some main characters that we know and love are killed but that's usually what happens in final battles of series and now the voltori is also gone amazing amazing wouldn't you think wouldn't you think you 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 know what in the movie right there maybe flash forward a few years to the old uh to the old black household. Freeze frame uh, some on-screen text. Where are they now? <laughs> Where are they now? Jacob and Renesmee living it up in forks. <laughs> Thumbs up. Edward is still 17. Bella is still 18. Alex is still, still 17. 22. Oh, no, he died. Uh, Esme is still 22. 22. Um, anyways... That doesn't happen, but the scene is then brought back to the moment when Alice, quote, shows Aro her proof, revealing that the entire battle scene was a vision of his demise if he proceeds with his plan to destroy them. The new witnesses, Hullen and her half-vampire nephew, Nahul, tell their story, revealing that hybrids are actually much like pure vampires, but with a few human traits. The Volturi then leave in peace with Aro's confirmation that there is no danger in letting the child live. As they leave, Aro glances back at Alice, then Bella, realizing that he has given up much to save himself and his coven from annihilation. The Cullens and their allies take a moment to rejoice in their victory. The Romanians demand to launch an attack, but no one is willing to, prompting their ambition to come to an end. As Jasper and Renesmee bid their friends goodbye. Wait. What? As Jasper and Renesmee oh. bid their friends goodbye, Edward and Jacob relish. That's just such a weird thing. Jasper. Uh, do they not mean Jasper and Alice? Oh, I'm sure that's what they mean. I'm yeah. sure. Edward and Jacob relish in their knowledge that Renesmee will be around for a long time. Their uneasiness about her lifespan is then put to rest. Edward tells Jacob that she is lucky to have him. Jacob asks if he should start calling Edward dad. Ugh. <laughs> but he refuses immediately. Renesmee asks Bella if they will be together now. Bella agrees. While the four of them, Bella, Edward, Jacob, and Renesmee, share a moment together, Alice sees... Alice sees a vision of their future. Renesmee has grown into a fine young woman. This is, mind you, this is just, you know, six years later right. or whatever. Right. Um, and is living happily and peacefully with Jacob and their family. Edward, who saw it through her mind, responds with a smile. Sometime later, back at the meadow, classic, <laughs> Bella removes her shield to give Edward access to her thoughts for the first time. An amazed Edward asks how she did it, and she replies, I've been practicing. Then adds that he knows no one has ever loved anyone as much as she loves him, but he disagrees, saying there is one exception. He then asks her to remove her shield again. She assures him that they have a lot of time, Edward adds, forever, and Bella agrees. The movie concludes with Bella and Edward kissing as the scene turns black and white and then opens to the final page of the Breaking Dawn novel and fades out on the word forever. Well, well there's one part of that ending that I do like. The forever part? I like that 
that's always been a huge thing with Edward and Bella, that Edward can read every mind except for Bella's. Uh-huh. And for Bella to learn that she's a shield, and then to be able to practice, like, extending her shield to protect others gave her the idea to maybe remove the shield entirely from mm-hmm. herself, so mm-hmm. then, finally, Edward would have the opportunity to read her mind. It's so amazing. he could see how much she loves him. Mm-hmm. I think that's a sweet ending, honestly. Yeah. I would be happy if that ending happened after what you know what I mean like after the rough ending of like some main characters dying right. I think that would be a nice way for it to end right 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 it's also a good metaphor for like being all tough and then you like learn to help others and then you learn to like ask for help and like let people in and that's that shield is a really good metaphor for that so thanks, Stephanie Meyer. Thanks, Stephanie Meyer. You're right, Maya. Yeah. So she had a lot of growing to do. Use for leprosy. Pardon? <laughs> I said it's almost as good of a metaphor as zombies are for leprosy. <laughs> True. <laughs> Anna Kendrick would not think that's funny, though. Don't say that around her. She wouldn't. She would not think that's funny. Erica like, like don't even bring it up around. I will hit you with some analysis. Um. Okay, so Bella becomes a vampire. Great, great, great. I think that the movie, like the series, had been calling for that all along. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm looking at this movie as a finale. I'm looking for what things the series has been calling for, and if it fulfills that. Mm-hmm. Yes, it fulfills that. Um. And Charlie gets to stay around. Mm-hmm. I think that's really great. I'm I'm very glad about that. And I think that because Charlie gets to stay around, we also presume the mom gets to stay around. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I mean, I don't really think that the story needed Edward and Bella to have a baby, but you know what? That was the whole plot of the last one, so like... Sure, like, good. Like, well, that's fine. I don't really care. Um, one thing that I think the story really needed was the end of the Volturi. I think that the entire series was, like, begging for the Volturi to end. Mm-hmm. The fact that the series ends and the Volturi is still out there is so unsatisfying to me. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to get at. Is in a lot of ways, this movie as a finale satisfies a lot of what I think the series needed, but in like the biggest way, it failed. It failed. Like wish... the main villain throughout the entire series doesn't face I any consequences. Though that I do remember when there was like all the Twilight hype or whatever, and it was a thing to be like, oh my god. Like, vampires literally could be real, and we would never know because of the Volturi. And the Volturi could literally be real, and we would never know because they would kill everyone who knew. So it added some sense, like, the Volturi, like, still being around added some sense of, like, wow, this all could still, like, this all could be actually happening. Which is, like, kind of fun when you're 12. Sure. That's okay. That's a pretty fair point. <sighs> okay, but. so like 12-year-old me agrees, but 22-year-old me is not pleased. <laughs> now that I have some critical thinking skills. <laughs> critical thinking skills. Mm-hmm. No, I that, that love cortex Dakota Fanning. More. What? So now that that prefrontal cortex has developed a little bit more? Absolutely. I would have loved for Dakota Fanning and Aro and at least a couple other of them to have died. Oh, the creepy looking one? You know what I mean? Like the older looking one? Oh, yeah. He's so creepy. And right before he got killed in the movie, he said, finally. Like, as Mm -hmm. he realized he was going to die, which I never realized. Like, that's so dark. He had probably been alive for 3,000 years. I will also say... That it is a little bit hard for, like, a villain that isn't, like, a very, like, two-dimensional, that is a very two-dimensional character for it to be, like, for that to be taken down or whatever. Because it seems like you would literally have to kill every single member of the Volturi, which seems like it might actually be, like, a lot of 
people. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got a connection lost signal. So I don't know if you guys can still hear me. We can hear you. No, I can hear okay. you. Um, yeah, it, because it's just like they're so like cartoonishly evil. It seems a little bit like, and it also like their reach is so wide that it seems like it'd be really hard to like defeat the Volturi because it's like you would literally have to kill so many vampires. I think so you would like, really she... just have to kill Aro and the other ones that have insane powers, like Dakota Fanning and her twin brother who can take away your sight, hearing, and touch. And then I think there's a couple other ones that have like insane powers. I think as long as they're gone, the Volturi mm. can't stand. What's Aro's power? He can hold your hands and see every thought you've ever had. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah. Which makes him less powerful than Edward in one way, because Edward can read your mind from way across the room. Uh-huh. But Edward can only see your thoughts that you currently have. Right. Whereas Ara can see any thought you've ever had. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Renesmee can show you every thought that she's had. Yes. What a funny power. <laughs> Like, like, touching the forehead, and just like, oh, Renesmee needs to poop. Yeah, that's pretty much how she's communicating. That's That's so so funny. funny. It was like, by the end of the movie, Oh, Renesmee's hungry. (laughs) By the end of the movie, she's only, like, four months old, but she looks like she's Like, 10 or something? Yeah. So I'm like, she got, she's got to grow up and start communicating with her big girl words. <laughs> like, I know she's four months old, but still. <laughs> she also, like, hasn't socialized with any children her own age. That's so, so true. She's going to be one of those socialize some, some four-month-olds. <laughs> well, it's, like, impossible to, for her to find friends, I feel like, until she's fully grown. Mm-hmm. What are you going to use a 10-year-old make friends with other 10-year-olds just for you to be 20 a year later? Uh, her first friend is Jacob, and they're going to... Well, don't finish that sentence, because I'm too married. nervous about it. Okay, I guess you're right. So... Uh, yeah, I think I said my, my piece about it at the beginning. I was like, this is mostly a good movie and it's mostly satisfying until those last 15 or 20 minutes when it's just unravels with just this stupid like oh it was all a vision yeah so annoying it could have been a very satisfying ending giving me very much middle school writing exercise read a read a creative story <laughs> All of them end with, and it was all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> this movie gives me very much that. Yeah, it does. It's frustrating. It's so frustrating. You know what? We've been we, we were talking about the Volturi, and I should have definitely done this when we were talking about the Volturi. But do 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 do. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Kudu Badu, the podcast within a podcast where cool dudes talk bad dudes. I'm your host, Erica Lavender, and I'm joined by two other cool dudes, Maya and Aaron, as usual, as always. And this week, we are looking at the villains from Breaking Dawn Part 2. And I think the villain is the Volturi. It is the Volturi. No, I got yeah. no more to say about Well, that. also kind of Irina. Oh, that's true. Irina made a oopsie. She made an oopsie. Yeah. Order these that's villains fun. rank. So as of right now, number one, we have Victoria, Riley, and Jacob from Eclipse. Number two, Volturi, Edward, and Bella from New Moon. Number three, James and Edward from Twilight. And number four, undefined, in parentheses, patriarchy, Breaking Dawn Part 1. <laughs> I think one thing that this podcast has given me great insight on is that Stephanie Meyer is not great at writing <laughs> I thought you were just going to stop at not great at writing. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's tough. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I th- 
these are the most defined villains. Right. I mean, Victoria yeah. and Riley, also very defined villains. But as it's well like we really spend this whole movie prepping to to fight them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are these the best villains in the series? I think so. I think so. All right. I think that they're the overarching villain of the entire series, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. Breaking Dawn. Part. All right. The official rankings for bad dudes in the Twilight Saga are number one, Volturi and Irina from Breaking Dawn Part 2. Number two, Victoria, Riley, and Jacob from Eclipse. Number three, Volturi, Edward, and Bella from New Moon. Number four, James and Edward from the original Twilight. And number five, undefined, parentheses, patriarchy, Breaking Dawn Part 1. I think that's an accurate ranking. (laughs) That absolutely tracks. (laughs) Undefined. Parentheses, patriarchy. That's the I don't remember how we got to that conclusion, but I believe that it's accurate. Yeah, <laughs> I believe that it is too. Um, you know, it's it's that time of the show where it's everyone's favorite podcast within a podcast, the Team Edward versus Team Jacob tracker, and you know, um, I kind of feel like they're on equal footing this movie. More so than any other movie. The no no neither of them do anything particularly that either makes me happy or makes me sad. Um yeah. every one of Jacob's actions post imprinting is heinous to me and I won't stand for it. No. That that's just the thing. Mm-hmm. Is if you take imprinting if you just put if you take imprinting for what it is and be like, okay, he couldn't help it, it's not that bad. But if you can't get over the imprinting thing, much like myself, then it's pretty heinous. Yeah. Like, I I think that if we're doing the Team Edward versus Team Jacob Mm -hmm. tracker in terms of who's best for Bella, Mm -hmm. this one has to be Team Edward. Yeah. They're married and they're Mm -hmm. happy and they haven't really been having problems. I feel like in every other movie they're having really bad relationship problems Mm -hmm. and in this one they're not. So I think that this one is a big point for Team Edward in that yeah. regard. But I in terms don't... of who is being like the better human being, I'm still gonna have to give it to Edward because of Jacob's nasty is it time for me to start calling you dad comment. That to me was all the way out of pocket and he should have never even been thinking that in the it first was place. All the way out of pocket. <laughs> oh, that was a crime and he's a villain. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, you know what? I have to agree. Uh, even though, even though Jacob doesn't necessarily annoy me as much as a character, Edward is just so much better this movie. Mm-hmm. And like, you can tell he really loves Bella. They have like virtually no problems. Like it's, it's a pretty satisfying ending for their re- relationship, um, arc. I agree. I think movie. for the series to end with them married, both vampires, and happy is a great place for their relationship to end in the in the series. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I feel like that's very much... Like, if it didn't end on that note, then that'd be weird. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah Which mean... is why... Team Edward kind of seems like the right team to be on the whole time. Even though he sucks. Just a wee bit. I think it's so hard to be Team Edward in New Moon, though. That's valid. Mm-hmm. And at I'm that team, point, Jacob has a... I'm re- Team Anna Kendrick for that one. <laughs> That's so fair. I think that New Moon is the movie for the Team Jacobers out there. Yeah. And uh, and that's probably why it does not rank high for me at all. Mm-hmm. Anyways, valid. I forgot what I was going to say, but I'm sure that it was very deep and well thought out. I can only imagine. And eloquent. Poignant. Very poignant. 
all of these words that are words that would get you an A on an essay. Yes. Um, you know what? I'm going to read you guys my Darmok review. I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of it. Let's hear it. Aro, when the wig fell. Alice and Jasper in Brazil. You nicknamed my daughter after the Loch Ness Monster? <laughs> That's, yeah. That's a great Darmok review. Really encompasses oh, yeah. everything you need to know. Aro's wig is tough news. It's so bad. Honestly, he probably can't grow hair anymore. Ever thought about that? He's been alive for so long probably. that he can't grow hair anymore. <laughs> you were probably right and about the, that. And the ugly wig is a character decision. Ever thought about that? <laughs> well, you're probably right because isn't hair like dead skin cells or something like that? Dude, IDK. Because if their skin is now made of, like, hard, stony ice, then yeah, he probably can't grow hair. Or maybe he was bald when he got turned into a vampire, and he mm. thinks having long, luscious locks makes him more menacing. Maybe. You have lots of good, good thoughts up there, Maya. I just, you know what, there's this rule when you study avant-garde theater that you have to believe that every uh, choice that was made and the performance was made intentionally and was made for a reason. Mm -hmm. So I have to believe that him having an ugly wig was a purposeful decision. <laughs> That's beautiful, actually. Because I love that Breaking Down Part 2 is avant-garde theater. It is. It is. It's... <laughs> <laughs> the first Twilight is an indie film, and the last Twilight is avant-garde theater, and everything in between is still, the jury's still out on how is, to classify Everything it. in between is, is camp. Is camp. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Alright, I'm getting ready to score this movie. Let's score I'm it. I'm gonna be brutal. Be brutal if you gotta. I think I might be a little brutal on it myself. Speak your truth, King. I'm giving it a three. Whoa! Literally, at the beginning of this podcast, you said this is four-fifths a great movie. Yeah. But the last fifth was but so the bad. The last yes. fifth really sullied it for you. It wow. really did. I am going to give this movie a 5.5. Valid. And I will be giving this movie an even five. A 5.0. Wait, what? That doesn't make sense. I did something wrong. Okay, this movie gets a 4.5, putting it in dead last. <laughs> Yay! Yay! Good job, everyone, everyone involved in the production. I somehow messed it up and it gave it like a ten, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I think it's because PEMDAS. All right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We can't just be dividing by three willy nilly like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the rankings for the Twilight Saga are. New Moon and Breaking Dawn are tied for first. Or Breaking Dawn Part 1, sorry. New Moon and Breaking Dawn Part 1 are tied for first with a 6.8. Then Twilight with a 6.7. Then Eclipse with a 6.5. And rounding out Breaking Dawn Part 2 with a 4.5. Which actually is kind of amazing that the first four movies all ranked so closely. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, like some movies edged out the others to a degree, but only so slightly. Like, I think yeah. that really goes so that the first four movies were all pretty solid. Yeah, and they the really are. Really of a, all of them are really of a similar quality. Yeah. Um, But I do still think that they could have turned Eclipse and both of the Breaking Dawns all into one movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
I do think that. I don't Or at think least in the two movies. I think that they could have turned... Yes, into two movies. Eclipse didn't need to be what it was. It could have been... Yeah. You know what, yes. could have been breaking Eclipse. <laughs> part eclipse one and two. Has been broken. <laughs> breaking Eclipse part one and two. And the movie yeah. could have ended with... Bella finding out she's pregnant, or it could have ended with, you know what I mean? With their wedding. Yeah, and then the next movie could have been all about her pregnancy, Renesmee, and them fighting Voltori, Mm -hmm. and they did not need uh, to tease us like that with that vision. Mm -hmm. Or they could have just said, screw the books, we're going to actually kill too many characters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even though Stephanie Meyer is one of the head producers, and we've never let that slide, but... Yeah, I I will say that, like, I feel like some sort of representation of, like, this is what would have happened or, like, what could have happened, like, is, like, a cool idea, mm-hmm. but the way it plays out of you being like, oh my god, all these characters are dead, like, what, and then it being like, haha, just kidding, hee <laughs> it's okay, is like not it yeah but i feel like maybe there could have been something there where you still see that vision or some of that vision or something but but you clear that it's a vision yeah yes Mm -hmm. i agree with you actually Mm -hmm. maya do you remember seeing this in theaters and yeah like half of the theater like actually screaming the the gasps like it was just like I remember when Carlisle died being like, that didn't happen in the book. And people around us were like, no! Like, people were like, yeah. like freaking out. And then Jasper and then Seth. And it was just like, death after death. And people were like, freaking out. Like, you could tell in the theater who had read the books. And then it turned out to all be a vision. It felt like, it was just such a crazy reaction. Of it like, really felt like I had been lied to. It was a crazy reaction. Some people were like, oh, thank goodness it was just a vision. And other people were like, are you kidding me? What the like, hell? It was wild. No, that that was my reaction. Yeah. I was so mad. That That is one of my crazier theater experiences, I feel like. That was yeah. one of my crazier Ooh, watching a movie in bed experiences. <laughs> <laughs> I will say all of my uh, wild experiences watching movies in theaters have been very much teen YA novel adaptations yeah <laughs> what else are you thinking like i'm thinking of um, when i went to the all our stars. stars like yeah, night showing and that girl was like wailing <laughs> oh bless her <laughs> like like from the second ansel elgort was on the screen it was like <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> that's nuts i can imagine though yeah and like both like every twilight movie i saw in theaters was like a ride <laughs> yeah absolutely a real roller coaster like literally so fun so fun so kind of before we started recording erica and i were talking about our personal rankings mm-hmm. um and i kind of wanted to hear yours maya okay you don't have to. I'm um, just like your preferred yeah. order. I think definitely New Moon. Mm-hmm. It's so fun, and then and then I think this. Like, if anyone goes back and like tries to match my scores with what I'm about to say right now, like literally don't. Uh, <laughs> I maybe. Then, like, the first Twilight and Breaking Dawn Part 1 are tied for Mm -hmm. a second. And then Eclipse, and then Breaking Dawn Part Mm 2. I support that for you very much. I am pretty similar in that, except for New Moon is placed differently. (laughs) So Twilight and Breaking Dawn are both way up there for me. I put Breaking Dawn just slightly lower than Twilight because I love... The first Twilight, just too much. Um, then Eclipse, then New Moon, then Breaking Dawn Part 2. <laughs> um, mine are... Any guesses? Eclipse, Eclipse. Breaking Dawn Part 1, New Moon, Twilight, Breaking Dawn Part 2. 
valid. Mm. This has been fun, everybody. This really has been. This has been uh, a very interesting voice camera action experience. Mm -hmm. For Uh, the first time, you watching the films for the first time rather than mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you going in knowing. Yeah, it's... I don't, I don't get that experience very often. And you know what? I'm going to get that experience again in another series that we'll do eventually with the Fast and the Furious franchise. Whoa. Yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. We'll need to find a Fast and Furious expert. Denadia. I have a good friend who loves. J-Dog? J-Dog. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, this... Folks, has been Weiss Camera Action, The Twilight Saga, and I am your host, Aaron Weiss. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at The Weiss's Right. Follow Weisscast on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at Weisscast. Um, uh, Maya, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at NYL. N-L-V-N-D-R and on TikTok at Newborn Grandma and Erica you can find me both on Instagram and Twitter on Instagram at Erica.Love and on Twitter at underscore Lavender I-C-A which I've recently been told my Twitter handle looks like it's Spanish for a laundromat that's funny because it is. <laughs> if there's just a C in, if there's a C in the Spanish word for laundromat, it would yeah. be lavenderica. Lavenderica. That's so funny, folks. We'll see you next week. Until then, don't name your daughter after the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> Adios. Hi, Loka. Stop. <laughs>